It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here comes a lightning bolt. Charger fans are witnesses to history. This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go. What's up, everybody? Garrett here. Got a special guest today. Uh, Thought we'd bring him on because... Quite honestly, the Chargers uh, triple dipped into the uh, TCU college pool, and we are uh, joined here by Anthony North. He is the managing editor of Frogs of War. He covers TCU, and because the Chargers drafted three Horned Frogs this weekend, we wanted to bring Anthony on and get his opinions on uh, three players that I know that he watched very, very closely the last few years. So uh, thanks, Anthony. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, really excited. It was an exciting draft weekend for the Horn Frogs, and excited to to see all these guys join up out there in Southern California and uh, join your Chargers. So excited always to talk about the Frogs and and these guys in particular. Yeah, yeah. The fact that you get three guys on one team is uh, probably pretty exciting. I know. So uh, let's just let's just jump right into it. And the first one, you know, obviously in the first round, the Chargers take Quentin Johnston which was uh, the uh, first-round wide receiver. A lot of people had uh, kind of mocked there anyway. Um, let's talk about um, what how you feel as a player. And uh, before we jumped on, I was, you know I mentioned that Brandon Staley said 
right, right on the phone call when he talked to him after they picked him that he was so impressed with QJ and his kind of attitude in the interview they had uh, after the combine. Talk to me about what type of player he is, how that translates on the field. Just uh, give me give me your opinion on watching Quentin Johnston. Yeah, Quinn Johnston has been just a phenomenal player for the Horn Frogs for his three seasons in Fort Worth, and he just a, a really hard worker in every aspect of his game, really developing his craft um, and his rapport with his teammates. He he was always one of those guys that was getting praise from all of his teammates, from all of the coaching staff as the guy that was out there putting in the work to to make himself better. He he knew this goal of his to be a first round draft pick was was always within reach and he always had those physical tools to to be that player and and he made sure to to go out and do that and you know he he really burst on the scene a couple years ago with with some some big games in particular taking down um uh, three touchdowns against Oklahoma where he was he was really jumping over players and running through players and and running past the defenders on that that Oklahoma team and um, he's really only continued to to grow since then and had a huge season for the Frogs. Uh, that Fiesta Bowl game is there are highlights from that game that that will be TCU fans all time greatest moments as as fans and and that he was able to to put on on the field and there are just things that he can do on a football field that uh, you know I don't know that. TCU fans have seen before that that anyone else in this draft could really do his size, his speed, and uh, what he can do with the ball after making a catch. So um, I, I think he's a, a well-deserved first-round draft pick and uh, should be bringing just some some elite play uh, to, to your Chargers. So in it, and I'm sure Charger fans <laughs> hope that he does. So uh, th this was his third season at TCU. So he... Uh, freshman year, it was somewhere around 400 yards. Uh, sophomore year, his season somewhere 600 yards, and then blew up this past season, uh, almost 1,100 yards. What happened this past season, other than you know playing so many games going up uh, to the national championship? What was it this year that just made Quinton Johnson explode uh, onto the scene? Yeah, the the TCU offense as a whole took a huge step forward in the 2022 season, um, and and you see it with the other guys that uh, that you drafted as well. But um, TCU had a had a coaching change in the off season where longtime legendary head coach Gary Patterson was uh, let go, was let out the door, and brought in Sonny Dykes and Garrett Riley to come and take over the offense, and that really. Um, was a, a huge improvement to, to everything that the offense was doing. So um, it, where previously it was a lot of focus on defense and a lot of focus on grinding out games and hope to win by one point um, in, in the Sonny Dykes and Garrett Riley era, it was much more air it out and, and get the ball to those players in space and let them go do their thing. So it really, the, the new offense catered to his game and and allowed him to to really put all of those physical traits on display on the field. So spaced him out. Uh, it worked out. I mean, he had six touchdowns his sophomore season, but he put the yards and the touchdowns together uh, this past season. Now, when they drafted him, um, we know about the size and the speed, the athleticism, the downfield threat. Um, the one thing that it seems a lot of people are knocking QJ on are the hands 
which uh, some people think are inconsistent. Uh, what what did you see in that respect? Um, does he have kind of concentration issues at times? Uh, did you see any of that, or is that kind of overblown in your mind? No, I, I do think some of that is fair. I think it's the kind of thing where, particularly on these first round draft picks, where you know scouts and analysts will go in and watch every single play that they run mm -hmm. and. Um, you start to find nits to pick at. And there are plays that Quentin Johnston has put on tape where um, whether it's uh, a, a fumble in the Big 12 championship game, whether it's um, maybe, you know, he gets kind of out positioned on, on a play or has a drop on a play. Those plays are on tape. He it, He's not a perfect prospect um, by any means. But I think that so so yeah I I can't dispute that I think that's a totally fair uh, things to see because those mm -hmm. did show up on tape but I I would say um, you know maybe a handful of times across the season uh, this this long you know he played fourteen of the fifteen games this season I'd say maybe yeah maybe five or six of those plays show up so I I, I do I do see that but the the plays where he he goes and and makes the play or goes a, a, and puts a move on a defender in space are way more frequent and you're getting multiple of those plays per game on film so um i think the the pros there far outweigh the cons but mm -hmm. uh it would also be fair to say that you know i'm coming from a tcu perspective on that and and <laughs> you know I, I, we we watch uh, quentin johnston with with a lot of love so i think that uh, that, that's my thought on it, but uh, yeah. it's fair, but it's just not as not as frequent enough to to overpower the the physical traits and the performance he put on the field. Right. So there's a lot in, more good than there is the bad. More good than bad. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Telesco said uh, on the press conference that they think they can kind of clean up those hands a little bit too. So uh, hopefully that's a positive too. So let's let's talk about the fourth round pick, Darius Davis. So. Um, they talked about him being a returner. They want him uh, returning kicks. We know how dynamic he is in the return game. Um, how was he kind of featured? Because we, I mean, obviously it's it's known how good he is in the return game. How was he featured kind of in the offense? What was his kind of role with TCU? Yeah, on the offense, he was the same way it is in the in the return game, where his speed can be such a threat in in any anywhere on the field to. Um, he would take those jet sweeps and be able to take that to the house. He would he would take short crossers and he's going to fly past anybody. Um, but his route running has been really crisp as well to where coming out of the slot, um, he, he could work himself into space behind linebackers, past safeties, and anytime he's touching the ball, he's a threat to end up in the end zone just because – um, you know, he he's measured as one of the fastest players in college football on the field uh, speed. Mm -hmm. And so if if he's able to get the ball, it's it's tough for the defenders to get hands on him. And certainly that's the case in college football. It, it will be interesting to see how much of that speed is an advantage over NFL players. Mm -hmm. um, and, and given his size, th that may be a difficulty going into into the NFL to where uh everyone is just bigger and faster. You're not, you're not running around players from SMU and Colorado. You're, mm -hmm. you're running around, you know, Raiders and chiefs. So mm -hmm. I, I think, I think that's, that's fair, but yeah, he, he's able to, to take the ball in all phases of the game. And, and that speed is just such a weapon that, that uh, you can't take, a, you can't take for granted 
the ability for him to just take the ball and end up in the end zone. Yeah. Yeah. They, I saw a lot of uh, design runs. You talked about the jet sweeps, uh, getting them in space. There's a lot of manufactured touches, touches in that offense. Now the chargers wide receiver room is kind of crowded at the moment it's like four deep before Darius Davis uh, even comes in uh, adding QJ to that as the four. Do you think, what do you think his NFL projection is? Do you think he could be a starting slot guy right away? Cause that's kind of where they see him. Do you see him playing the slot right away? Do you think uh, there's some things he needs to develop before he can hit the field and hit the ground running, so to speak? How far off do you think he is? Yeah, I, I don't know that he's going to step into a starting role in the slot right away. I think he'll mm -hmm. there'll be some opportunities to put some plays in where he makes something happen. Um, but yeah, he, he will not be a, I wouldn't expect him to be a highly featured piece of the offense anywhere in this, this first rookie season. Mm -hmm. Um, that said, I think he will be, he, he should be able to step right away into a returner role. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, those yards are important. Those opportunities to, uh, whether you're, you're taking one to the house, you're flipping field position, your, those yards are, are still important on the field, but, yeah, I, I don't think that he is the, the deep depth chart that the Chargers have. He's not stepping into a uh, in every down or or slot role right away, um, but he'll be able to contribute and be able to be a weapon out there that that defenses will have to plan for and will have to to scheme around and be aware of when he's on the field. He he could be the person who who is targeted and and uh, can do some damage. Yeah, it feels like he stepped into a pretty good situation here because he doesn't have to step in and be the wide receiver slot guy right away. Uh, there's four, there, like I said, there's four deep already. This is kind of a learn the NFL offense, uh, get your touches as a returner, and then maybe sprinkle in, you know, maybe three to five snaps a game where he can maybe get some speed on the field and, and get those jet sweeps going and start to work yourself into the offense. And then maybe you're two, three, uh, you're ready to start to contribute. So I think it's a pretty good situation for Darius Davis. Now he was drafted in the fourth round, the consensus on him and a guy that we had kind of talked about, uh, we had, we had watched him beforehand that he was going like sixth or seventh round fifth at the highest. How do you feel about uh, his draft position. Were you surprised that he got drafted that high just from a personal aspect? Where did you see him going? Yeah, frankly, I was, I was shocked. I was very <laughs> surprised that he went that early. Um, uh -huh. You know, I think we, uh, on, on our frogs of war podcast preview of the NFL draft, when we were going through all of the players who we expected to be drafted, um, our, our, our team kind of felt like he was right on that cut line mm -hmm. of, you know, maybe he's a UDFA guy, maybe he's a late, you know, sixth or seventh rounder. So, um, but we did acknowledge the, the position that I think, uh, coach Staley has stated about, you know, you get a day one starter in the return game with a definable skill, uh, unteachable skill, which is his speed. Mm -hmm. Um, that is a, that's a draftable quality. Um, a fourth round draftable. I understand why, you know, Chargers fans or, or people across the NFL may think like that's, that feels a little steep. Mm -hmm. Um, but really even into the fourth round, you're getting into that spot where, uh, you're starting to throw darts. And so if, if you have a dart throw that, you know, fills a role immediately on your, on your team, 
Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's worth that. But it was, yeah, it was definitely surprising to me. I was not expecting it to, to come for, for Davis so early, but, um, glad that the chargers have, have faith in him. And I'm sure they have some big plans for him and, uh, coming up in this NFL season. Yeah, they had talked about how they wanted to find some kind of starter in the fourth round, somebody that can get in there, and they didn't have a lot of holes uh, on this offensive defense, and they thought getting a starting returner right away would be the way to go in day four, and they wouldn't have been able to find that in any other position. And the fact that they were able to get Darius in the fourth, they were, you know, they lost DeAndre Carter, who was their returner last year but they really wanted to get somebody that could help right away. And Darius could do that. And they thought um, what, well, what we're hearing is that there was from the wide receiver and corners that were returners, it was Darius. And then there was a huge drop off. And if they didn't get Davis there, they just, just didn't want to wait and they got him. So um, I hope that draft position doesn't work against them. And I hope Charger fans don't have uh, too high hopes for him right away, because like you mentioned, and, and I happen to agree, I don't think he's a starter right away. Um, and he shouldn't have to unless injuries occur. And if he does, then uh, it'd be a nice fill in role, but you know, um, just a guy that can help on special teams right away and add some gas to the offense, I think is uh, nice for the chargers. And the fact that they maybe reached uh, for some folks uh, is fine because they're able to get a defined role for him right away. Um, let's, let's move on to Max Duggan. So they, they go to the seventh and they draft Max Duggan. Um, he was somewhat polarizing, not only for me, but a lot of different charger fans uh, about being drafted there in the seventh round. Tell me about the positives in his game and uh, why you think, you know, some of that might work. I mean, they, he brought this team and this offense to the national championship. He was a runner up for the Heisman. So there's some talent there. Talk to me about the qualities that helped, you know, move this offense to all the way to the national championship. Yeah. Davey O'Brien award winner, Heisman runner up, all of that kind of thing. And, and, like we said with with Quentin Johnston, I mean this this offense really took off this season, and Max Duggan was absolutely the uh, primary beneficiary of of the new offense. And um, you know, a lot of it is purely intangibles, which which is really tough, and is probably something that in the NFL is not quite as powerful as it is in college football, where he's just a gamer, he's just a warrior, he's he it, it has that never say die attitude to where, um, you know, even through the previous off season going into the 2022 TCU season, he was not named the starter. He was, he was put as uh, number two on the death chart going into the first game where TCU starter Chandler Morris gets injured and Duggan comes in and, and runs off this, this incredible season. But, you know, uh, uh, a lot of times across college football, that kind of situation happens. You've got a longtime starter who's who's put on the bench and they decide to transfer. They decide to, you know, go be the starter at, at some lower level school or something and and move on and and you know never really see that. But for for Max Duggan, that was really never and he's he's talked about this quite a bit um nationally about how that never really crossed his mind. He was always here for this team and here to continue working, uh, you know, with, with the Horn Frog teammates and that it was just a, you know, a bump in his road and his story to, to continue forward. So, and yes, all of those things are intangible. The, the 
leadership aspect, the the fight in him. But on the field, the the actual performance as as a quarterback, um, I, he's dynamic in a lot of ways. He's he's able to make plays uh, with his legs on the move, um, make plays to where you know some of his rushing touchdowns over the years and and particularly this season where you know he puts that speed on display he's he's much faster than you think for for his size and for his build um but it, he he was also this season able to uh improve his accuracy tremendously from from years past to where he's able to hit those wide receiver screens on time to, to guys like Darius Davis, who can then uh, take those for big yards, but also uh, finding space over the middle um, on, on post routes to Quentin Johnston um, and taking those shots deep to, to really trust his guys as well. So I think he, he just really grew as a quarterback into this, this last season um, in this offense where there are still those moments that, that make you shake your head and make you, uh, you know, kind of, you know, want to, ah, come on, Max. But uh, th- there's plenty of those overthrows, um, you know, just like not the best decisions all the time. Um, but y- you know that when he's put in a system that will support him and with a coaching staff that will will put him in the best position for success, he's going to to find ways to find that success and that's that's you know i mean i think we can probably say you know all the the flowery things about max duggan but that's really that's really it is that he will put in the work to to maximize his opportunity and you know i think it's fair to say his maximum performance is probably lower than you know, a lot of your first round type draft picks. I mean, he's not going to come in and uh, compete with Justin Herbert to, to take the starting <laughs> role. I think right. no, one's, no one has that illusion. But, you know, to to be a valuable player in that locker room and a valuable, uh, you know, risk mitigation stopgap in, in the quarterback depth chart, I think um, he certainly has a role going forward in the NFL. Do, was he a vocal leader? Like what kind of personality did he oh, have? Yeah. I mean, you talked about that stuff on the field, but yeah, he was, he was kind of the driving force of that leadership. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. You know, I think a lot of the the players through media availability throughout this last season and through the off season would comment about how much they respected Max about the way that when, even when he lost that starting job he was still one of the vocal leaders in the locker room he was still supporting all of the guys he um he's he's just that like he's a coach's son his his you know his dad was his high school coach um in in council bluffs iowa he's he's all of those things that kind of like storybook quarterbacks uh you know the the disney story quarterbacks are um and but but he he really is all those things you know mm-hmm. he he is that vocal leader in the locker room in practice and and certainly on the field so you talked about that's interesting i didn't know that his uh dad was a high school coach interesting yes yeah so um you talked about you know he needs to be in a system that that caters to you know his skill set what kind of what kind of offense do you think he needs to go to cuz is he a more of a one read type quarterback, which I, I kind of feel like, is he a guy that works through his progressions? Does he need to be in a kind of an RPO? What kind of offense 
did TCU run that kind of helped? Like what kind of skill sets helped him in that offense? He did improve on, on that kind of multiple read progression this season. Um, but he, he probably is still better suited towards a, um, know where you're going to go and, and then, and then make it happen. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I think he, you can probably see where he gets the happy feet in the pocket. Um, if he's just left to think too long, he's much more of a go out and, and do it. And, and I think even in the draft process to where, like at the senior bowl where in, I don't know, one-on-one drills where he has to do, he's expected to do things exactly a certain way that doesn't work out so well. But when he's put in the game situations, Mm -hmm. he goes out there and makes the plays even in those, those practices and in in the senior bowl work. So I, I think that's, it's really just putting him out there in those game situations to where, yeah, set him up for success, give him some, give them some options, some playmakers who can, can catch the ball and make something happen. And uh, like you said, with the RPOs, he's able to, to make that right decision. A lot of the time he would, he was absolutely devastating to defenses when um, he would, he would pull that, that ball out and, and go on, on a run, especially in, in uh, near to goal line situations. So uh, I, I think, it does have to be an offense that sets up to his skill set, mm-hmm. um, but he he's able to you you kind of roll the ball out and he's able to figure it out. Yeah, so it sounds more like a so he sounds like a competitor in game type situation quarterback, but more of a, a quick timing offense where it's one read get the ball out of your hands quickly. That's yeah, I think that's, that's good. And, yeah, and you know he he was brought in to compete with the Chargers current. QB two, which is Easton stick who they drafted a few years ago, signed him to a one-year contract. So in that regard, he's coming in and whether they keep three quarterbacks, we'll see, but um, obviously there'll be some competition there behind Justin Herbert. Uh, One last thing. I just wanted to uh, just talking to you here now, obviously as uh, somebody who covers the chargers, uh, another big TCU member of this team is the hall of famer, Ladanian Tomlinson. Where do you think he ranks among TCU players that hit the NFL? Is he, the greatest is top five. Where, where does he sit for you? Yeah. I mean, I I think it's hard to, in my lifetime, (laughs) say it's anyone other than LaDainian Tomlinson. Uh You know, there, there are way back in the, you know, early days, uh, some, some TCU horn frogs who, you know, Davey O'Brien or Sammy ball, um, who have come out and and done things in professional football, but certainly as pros, as NFL players, um, in, in my lifetime, there's nothing like uh, Ladanian Tomlinson, and you know, pretty much the the all time great fantasy football player, and all time <laughs> great Horn Frog, all time great Charger, and mm-hmm. and he's been an an incredible ambassador for TCU. I think you know, uh, Southern California and California in general is uh, just behind Texas as the largest uh, student base for TCU. Mm. So. TCU since he, since he went out there uh really kind of exploded in popularity in California. I think it's something like 15% of the entire student body is from the state of California. So wow. yeah, yeah, absolutely Ladanian Tomlinson is is definitely number 1 uh as far as NFL players. And then then you start talking about Andy Dalton who uh is is not going to have an 
a Hall of Fame career, but has right. had a very long career, very successful career, and has uh, and has done a lot of great things in the in the NFL as well. And um, you know, I think for uh, for Chargers fans seeing a seeing a, a TCU wide receiver drafted in the first round, um, you know you might get a little bit scared of, mm -hmm. of seeing Jalen Rager has yeah. been in that position and Josh Doxson has been in that position. So TCU mm -hmm. has had these guys who have been drafted in the, in the first round um, in the last, you know, 10 years or so, and they have kind of flamed out in the NFL. So understand the bit of reservation there. I think where Quentin Johnston stands out differently from those two guys is um Josh Doxson was the guy who had all the size, but was not, he was a walk-on. He was not the high level recruit. He did not have um, the kind of uh, God given born with talent and, and skills that Quentin Johnson had. And then on the other side, Jalen Rager was a high level recruit, but was a smaller guy. And mm -hmm. uh, maybe his mental makeup wasn't in the shape where it needed to be. Quentin Johnston is is the full combination of of all of those things. He was a, a huge recruit coming out of high school. Could have gone anywhere in the country. Um, he has all the physical tools, and he has the mental makeup to to be great. So, um, I, I know it's easy to to lump all those guys in together, but I think uh, I think Quentin Johnston will will break that stigma and will will be a a big success for the Chargers. Uh, perfect way to end it. I was going to bring up Rager and Dotson, but I, I, I'm glad you did. So listen, Anthony, uh, appreciate you coming on everybody watching, listening. It's Anthony North. Uh, make sure to follow him. He's at North underscore Anthony, go read his stuff over at frogs of war where he covers TCU. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff on Quentin Johnson, uh, Darius Davis and Max Duggan. I saw earlier, there were some articles about that. So if you want to read it, go over there and read it. Uh, appreciate you coming on Anthony. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Gary. Oh,